0: Welcome to the latest edition of Kiwani Back When. And joining us live is our good
1: friend Dave Clark. Dave, how are you? Good morning, Sean. And it's a beautiful day here in Kiwani. Any day the sun's out's a good day. Absolutely. <laughs> so you've got some stories
0: to tell us today.
1: That's right. This this came to me. Uh, uh, you know, I, I do some writing for the Kiwani Voice, and they asked me to do a, a year in review. You know, like we used to do at the Star Courier in the old days. And uh, as I went through the files and so forth. Um, you know, like on the award show, they have the in memoriam where they go through all the people and you go, Oh, I didn't know that person died or "Hey, Well, I didn't know they were, well, how about, yeah, I remember them and all of that. And there were there, of course, that wasn't, I, I just use it as a tag in my urine re, review story, but I thought there's more to, to these people. Uh, there's three of them that really stood out that passed away in 2023 that I would legitimately consider pillars of the community. Absolutely. I know that's a, that's a pretty lofty term. But I think when you see, you know, who I came across and, and who we lost in 2023, you'll realize uh, what a loss to the community it was overall, uh, the, the people. Uh, there are a lot of people out there. We've gone through the long list before here of people that have contributed to Kiwani and, and give and sacrifice and all that. But, but these people, I, I think, really, really uh, stand out. Uh, the first one, and you're very well acquainted uh, with this guy, was, was Bud Johnson, the owner-manager of the, the Wani uh, Cinemas over here. Uh, uh, across the street. One of the most generous human beings I've ever met. Exactly. And, and uh, my, my main source of information was, was uh, pulling out the obituaries for, for all three of these people. And uh, Bud's story is very interesting. Uh, he he uh, passed away uh, April 29th of this year, which is not interesting in and of itself, I guess, but uh, the loss of a life. He was 82 years old. He was born in Alabama, and he... Uh, uh, went into the, uh, the Navy uh, right out of high school. And he was in the Navy Reserve. Uh, he was part of the, uh, I'm looking at the obituary now, part of the commissioning crew of the USS Independence Aircraft Carrier. And uh, he served in, in, the, uh, in the reserves until uh, 1960, at which time he returned to civilian life and took a job with a retail chain called McCrory & McClellan. Now, that'll ring a bell for Kiwani people that go way back when because where the New View furniture store is now was McClellan's back in the day. Uh, th- that building was built after the fire in 1942, but I, and I think McClellan's might have been the first uh, tenant in there. But Bud's job, uh, he had a national job, or through the South and Midwest anyway, of uh, troubleshooting and uh, management training and stuff like that. He went from store to store and cleaned up messes. Well, apparently he was in Kewanee cleaning up a mess at the McClellan store on 2nd Street. <laughs> well, that's, that's another whole story, probably. <clears throat> who cares? But uh, in 1964, he became the manager of the McClellan's, uh, going to straighten things out there. Well, he straightened things out for sure. He met this nice young lady named Katie, and he and Katie fell in love and became married. Uh, he went on to work there uh, until 1967, and uh, uh, then he uh, left McClellan's and he took over uh, a gas station on Tenney Street, a lot of people will remember, called the Weathersfield Shell, Johnson's Wethersfield Shell. It was across from Happy Joe's, about where the strip mall is now, where the Chinese restaurant is and that sort of thing, uh, south of Allen's Dairy, which is where the, the, uh, the uh, s- uh, Saving Barn or whatever is at now. Anyway, but while he was there, he and Katie became interested in movies, and uh, they managed the Kiwani or the Wani cinemas um, in 1976. And later, they became managers of the downtown and drive-in. The whole operation. We had a drive-in south oh. of Kiwani, okay. where actually people remember that as uh, most recently I forget what was in there. Right now, it, it, it's Grenier buildings or whatever. It's where, people know where the drive-in was south of south of Kiwani on on 78. Uh, they also took over Midland Plaza. They, they worked for a couple of chains. One, the first one was Karasotis that owned, you know, chains of theaters all over the United States and maybe still do. And then GKC was the, was the other one. Uh, in 1982, he uh, sold the Shell station, stayed as manager of the theaters, and uh, went to work as facility manager for Schwann's Ice Cream in 1982 uh, until the drive-in in Midland were closed in 1984. And then he continued to work at Schwann's. The Schwann's Depot was uh, across from the, uh, the laundromat on, um, on West Sixth Street. Uh, there's still a, a building that is still there, but that was the, the Schwann's uh, Depot where the trucks you know, checked in and so forth. Uh, they also took over the Apollo uh, Cinemas in Princeton, uh, which Bud and Katie both managed for a while. Oh. Uh, In 2000, Bud and Katie bought both the Apollo and Wani theaters from GKC theaters, took over local ownership, Uh, and in 2005, Bud retired from Schwann's, uh, and they both remained in the theaters. Uh, That same year, they opened Katie's Steakhouse in Kewani, out there where that's one of the many (laughs) restaurants that have been where their broken chimney was, you know, on on the curb there on on Tennessee Street. They managed to ruin that until 2009. Uh, when Katie could no longer drive to Princeton, they sold both the Apollo Theater and Katie's Steakhouse. Uh, uh, but they remained as the owners and managers of the Wani uh, here in uh, downtown Kiwani until uh, uh, Bud lost Katie in January of 2018 and then stayed as owner and, until his death. But the interesting thing, the historic thing about that was that the Apollo was first, I think, and then Wani followed shortly afterwards, the first theaters in this rural area outside of urban markets to become digitized. There was a big shift, and it was either it was either do it or die. You either had to go digital because they were doing away with the old film reels. You know, the theaters would get a big reel and put it on a big, a big table, and you know, a big reel, and and that's how the movies were shown. Well, anyway, uh, they they sunk a ton of money into into digitizing all the movies so they could still get you know the first run movies that we'd still see. Also, they divided the uh, there the was a huge auditorium here. It had like 900 seats in it. They divided it into two, so we have two movies now at the Wanee downtown. Uh, Instead of having to go out the middle of the closet or the drive-in, you've got two right here. They also had a a a buy-a-seat thing for years where they they remodeled the uh, interior enlarged the screens. And so it still is a first-class theater. It may not have all the acoustics and stuff of, you know, your big theaters, but some of those big theaters are no longer in business, too. And we still have our nice little theater here in Kiwani, thanks to Bud and Katie.
0: You You also used to be able to get a plaque
1: on your seat as well. The yes. state say well, your that, that seat. Was, that was the, the buy a seat thing. <laughs> if you donated so much money, you got your name. And a lot of the regulars, you know, would, yeah. would, would buy a seat and they probably are still, still down there. And, of course, after Bud died, his family has taken it over and it is still going. But the thing with Bud and Katie was that, I mean, they totally uh, went whole hog into the community. And that's that's the hog capital terminology. Uh for years, Bud and Katie, and of course, Katie was the driving force. She was the energizer bunny behind the shot but Bud was there to help out Katie, and, you know, they both were a team. But it's kind of, I think of, uh, of Denny and Diane Packy in the same way. You know, Diane just takes off like a rocket, and Denny's trying to keep up and, <laughs> and help out and then do what he can and that sort of thing. Well, the mm-hmm. same way here. Both very dedicated people that you know who was, you know, who had the, the, the fire lit in their pants, and, and that was Katie. And uh, they were... They were uh, um, the host locally of the uh, big MD telethon. Every Labor Day weekend on WQAD, they had Jerry, they were the local site for Jerry Lewis's MD telethon, nationally televised. And they had Jim King come over, you know, he was the anchor and newsman from Channel 8 and everything, they were good buddies. And every year they did a huge float, a pull trailer float uh, for the Hog Days Parade. Often Jim would come and ride on the float and so forth, and every single year it ran the, won the sweepstake award. Big, big deal. And uh, they kind of went from that, into uh, uh, the uh, the the Bakersville thing, uh, Bud and Katie uh, were, were had one of the best uh, best skits out there for years, uh, was doing all kinds of horror and gimmicks and you know lights and sound and stuff like that for, uh, for for the Bakersville thing. Here again, it was both of them were things they enjoyed doing. They were fun things. And uh, and they but they served the community and and of course recently I think you've mentioned this in other shows too about the coast for Katie mm-hmm. that Bud still continues on there she started that I think probably one of the last things before she died uh, and the popcorn during the pandemic uh, what was the deal with the popcorn he donated
0: yeah he donated a dollar of every bucket he was donating to the Kiwani Food Pantry so and. People were picking up buckets like crazy yeah, during the pandemic, yeah. uh, dropping in and get, you know, you had these special buckets made, the yeah. extra large bucket with the plastic top on it. So you yeah. could make it easier for you to get it home uh-huh. uh, and, and uh, have for dinner. A, yeah, you would take a dollar of that and donate it to the Kiwani Food Pantry. Yeah. And the donations each week kept getting bigger and
1: bigger and bigger. Yeah, pick up popcorn. Who thought? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. but but who thought of doing it with popcorn well, at mean, the theater? Well, I mean, when I got here, one of the
0: first things people told me was the reputation of the popcorn at the at the Wani Theater, and it always lived up to that reputation.
1: Well, it was good popcorn, yeah. But no, we couldn't do anything else. You could get in your car, out of your house, isolated, you know, maybe put a mask on, drive to the Wani, keep your mask on, go in, buy your popcorn, and and get out and I, I think matter of fact I went there a couple of times and you, you can only have a certain number of people in there at a time I had to stand outside in line a few times because during it was just like it was like four to seven or something that he did it but it, it was like waiting for her to get into the theater you know all you're waiting for is the popcorn but it was here again it was worth waiting for it was great popcorn and and uh, let's face it that's why a lot of people go to the movies anyways to, to eat the eat eat the, the popcorn uh, but anyway bud uh, bud was was uh, uh, a real loss you know when we lost him but now katie uh katie passed away three four years ago um uh, and, and both of them you know were, were really you know people that, that gave their lives to kiwani and, and when we lost bud and a lot of people loved him uh, he was citizen of the year and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. he got all the awards and everything and, and so did katie but anyway, i remember
0: then, uh during the pandemic uh, he was he was the first one to uh use the hashtag Kiwani Strong. He put it right up there on the marquee. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yep, that's where that started. Yep. Oh, there's another. As long as we're deviating, I'm checking my watch here. <laughs> what the heck? We'll tell more stories. This is Kiwani back when, right? Mm-hmm. But um, uh, getting, getting to Blackhawk East out here and how people come from all over the the, the United States and, and literally the world, you know, to take ag and equine science out there. And there was a group of uh, students from Withersfield High School and their teachers took a summer in Europe. Uh, several years ago, about 10, 20 years ago, It's 10 years ago, or I can't remember. Anyway, they were in France in a little town called Reims, and there's a famous cathedral there, for those of you that have toured Europe, and uh, it was 10 o'clock at night, and they were in their hotel, they'd been through everything and so forth. They looked out the window, and here's the golden arches down the street, McDonald's. So they thought, oh my gosh, we're homesick, we're going to go, I don't. they're still, still open, let's go down to McDonald's. They got down there. There's another group of students from some school in Indiana doing the same thing. You know, oh, we found McDonald's, we're all having Big Macs and all this other kind of stuff. And they got to talking. The teacher from Indiana's group had his sister from Maryland who had come back to help chaperone. She just got out of high school herself. And they got to talking, and uh, where are you going to go to school? Oh, it's someplace you've never heard of, probably. It's a little school in Illinois called Black Hawk East. <laughs> she, she was taking her horse and she was going to Kiwanee, and she was But she said, I had a question for you. She said, I, I drove downtown and I saw that really nice marquee on, I guess it would be the theater down there on the way through town. And she said, there was something that said BYOB Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> she said that doesn't mean what I think it does. <laughs> Here's this kid coming to college, wants to know if you could BYOB at the Y on Tuesday, and they they politely informed her that no, that's bring your own box or, or bag or whatever for this a popcorn. <laughs> oh, that's not great. That's wonderful. But anyway, but yeah. I'm, I'm sure a college student was upset there wasn't something else offered there on Tuesday. But that was one of Bud and Katie's things here again, and they have gift certificates and all kinds of stuff. I mean it's really a a neat business. And never change the price of the tickets. No, no. How in the world? I'm sure we're thankful. Shh, don't say anything. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they haven't realized it yet. I don't know. But yeah, the same thing. Where else in the world can you get into a first-rate movie the re- the, the day it's released, the Friday after it comes out, and it's what five bucks? Five you know, three fifty. Used to be three fifty for a senior. I guess it still is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they, but of course they make the money on the concessions and so yeah. forth. But uh, they, they do it, and, and I hope they keep on doing it as long as, as they can or, or find somebody to, to, uh, to continue it, because it's part of Kiwani. We can't, can't do without that. My second person on my list of pillars here is Linda Bowles. Uh, Linda passed away. Uh, we remember her as a director of the Salvation Army store down here, as well as all the Salvation Army programs that go on in Kiwani. And she died in November of 2023 at the age of 78, and she was a Billiette. and she was the sister of uh, another famous Kiwani story back when the Billette triplets—her brothers Ron, um, who was the other one, oh Don, Donnie, Ronnie, and Tommy were the three Billyette boys. They're all now grown up, and they're all you know up there in their 70s too, I suppose. But anyway, uh, she was a hometown girl, went to school, got a degree in education, uh, came back and worked in the Sherman Williams store and a few other jobs, and. Uh, and became active in the Methodist church and so forth. Um, unfortunately, she lost her, her first husband, a uh, man named Lewis. Her second husband, Bruce Gamble, uh, has a, he's a relative of mine, so I have a personal connection uh, through marriage. Uh, Bruce was my mother's cousin, and the farm south of Kiwani, known as the Mound Farm, where Linda passed away, uh, where she died here in November, uh, was bought by our great-grandfather in the early 1900s and he wanted a farm for his son, Don Gamble. Well, Don took over the farm when, you know, uh, his, his dad passed away, and then he passed it on to Bruce. So Bruce had this big farm out there, you know, south of town, up by the Wani farm. Uh, well, anyway, when he married Linda, they got involved in something called the Heifer Project International. And they moved out to California, and they literally ran a, a little farm out there where they raised calves, beef calves and dairy calves. The Heifer Project International is best described as the old uh, adage that if you, if, you, if you feed a guy fish every day, uh, eventually he'll starve, but if you, if you teach a guy to fish, you know, he'll, be, he'll have food forever. And that was the deal here. They would take these calves and raise them up to a certain level and then they'd export them to South America, to Africa, to Eastern nations where they needed the food, the milk, the beef, that sort of thing. And they would, there were herds that were grown from, from these projects. And Linda, one year, got a Volunteer of the Year award. They were there in, in the 90s and so forth. Then they retired and moved back here to uh, to Illinois and lived on the farm south of town where where Bruce passed away. Uh, but the, the and then she married uh, Mr. Bowles. Uh, he, he's also passed away. Linda kept chugging right along. She was into everything. She was into Abilities Plus, the food pantry. She helped with all of it, and. Uh, Uh, But her her biggest thing, I think, or I shouldn't say this because there's probably many big things she did, but a lot of people remember her as starting the angel tree where you take a thing off the tree and and go around and and get gifts and so forth. Then she sort of morphed that in with uh, Amber Troxel's Apache's Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's now become the big thing. And they do it at the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army kind of provides the facility and everything. And they still do the angel tree and they take donations. The school kids donate uh, toys to it and that sort of thing. And, and that's become the big Christmas thing in Kiwani now, where Linda was one of the you know, originators of, of all that. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, here again, she was just a, a wonderful person. She was a lay minister over here at the Methodist Church. Uh, she was a big Cubs and Bears fan. Uh, she did just a lot of a lot of stuff in the community, and a, a tireless person. You had a here again. Uh, you had a hard time keeping up with her. Um, one of these people that is constant and always just you know doing stuff for other people. She was dedicated to that her whole life. Was was doing that, and she loved it. You know, that's what you lived yeah. for.
0: I, I remember because we we hosted her retirement over at the old radio station uh, with the couple final interviews for her there, talking about her time with the the Salvation Army, and then uh, it, was an, it wasn't it wasn't a month later that she was like, "Can I come back on? We got to talk about ability, what I'm doing at Abilities Plus." I'm like, "What are you doing at Abilities Plus? So I'm a volunteer." Uh, which yeah. of course she goes she goes to Abilities Plus, she becomes a volunteer there, she wins a statewide
1: award yeah. for mm-hmm. being a volunteer yeah, at, at, habitual, at Abilities yeah. Plus. Yeah. Uh, Because she just did not, uh, she never slowed down. No. Uh, She was kind, she would slow down. She would, uh, in her obituary, it said she loved seeing her grandkids and, in, in uh, Michigan or Minnesota and so forth, and uh, out on the farm, you know, Rod and Susan her, her son and, and daughter-in-law still live out there. There's two houses out there. The one to the north is where Don Gamble, Bruce's dad, lived with with uh, his mother uh, Elizabeth, and then Bruce uh, had lived in the house to the south, which is kind of historic. It's that's where Rod and Susan still live. Before it was before it was Gamble's Mound, it was uh, started out as Stewart's Mound. It got one of the early pioneers, you know that supposedly is the highest point above sea level in Henry County but that's been disputed but it is quite a vista. you get up on that hill and you can see all the way around but the house to the south was Stewart's original cabin or whatever it wasn't a cabin but they've expanded it but I remember going in there when when Bruce and his first wife lived there and there's a big fireplace and it's just a beautiful big old farmhouse and that's where they live and of course Linda stayed in the in the house to the north uh, and the rest of the farmland was was all sold off I think after after Bruce passed away but she and her her son, you know, kept the houses and a few acres of ground around there, and that was where she, where she, her head of operations, I guess, out there. Um, our third name uh, is one that everybody will probably stand up and cheer for, is James Larkin Golby. It doesn't say where Larkin came from. I'm sure that was a family name. They were all Scots. They were proud of their Scotch heritage. I'm sure that maybe a great-grandparent's name was Larkin or, or whatever. Jim Golby was superintendent of Kiwani Schools, uh, for over 30 years. He was in education there at Kiwani for almost 50 years. I mean, uh, he, uh, I consider him kind of the Kiwani School District's Frank Craig. You know, Frank Craig was on the one that laid the foundation for the Westfield District. Jim built the Kiwani School District. It was a successful district. It was going great guns, but Jim took it into the 20th century and, 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 and beyond. But he passed away also in November of 2023. We lost a, a couple of them there um, uh, at, at the age of 96. He was just four months away from his 97th birthday, Ooh. and uh, uh, he was living out at, uh, at uh, Courtyard uh, Estates, I believe, at the time. His wife, Alison, had had passed away a few years earlier, Everyone, you know, uh, it's no secret now that, that Jim was diagnosed here again while he was superintendent with having lupus, and he fought that you know, all of his life. But he apparently overcame most of it. He kept on going. He was an uh, aggressive walker. He'd walk every place, you know, you would see him walking around town. And, and Alice Ann was, was here again. She was the faithful supporter, the cheerleader. She was there for everything and all that. They were great people for, for saying thank you. You know, they were, they, they were gracious to a fault, almost. And a, a radio station story I can divulge now in, uh, in, back in the, in the 80s when Larry Planner and I were up in the hotel. And uh, back then, um, they, we'd get calls from the superintendents when they were going to close school for the day. And Kiwanis schools never, ever called. You know, Kiwanis schools will always stay open. And Mr. Goldberg said, said Dave and Larry, don't worry. You can't. You don't have to call me. Uh, you know. We will never close school unless the the snow is over the flagpole at Central School down here, (laughs) which (laughs) is 130 feet. And in 1979, when we had the big blizzard, you know, that came and so forth, uh, he called up, and the phone rang, and Larry picks it up, and oh, hi, Mr. Golby, and he said, well, he said the flagpole, (laughs) I can't see the flagpole at Central School, Uh, Kiwani, that that finally closed Kiwani, but, but they would always say, always say thank you. Uh, We have sort of a contest there at the radio station, which I don't think Jim was aware of, unless well, Jim was pretty smart. I think we were doing it was a game. It's who could say the last thank you you know uh he, before, he, before we hung up you know larry dave thank you for doing a great job there at the radio station you know you and mr walker and all of crowd and oh thank you mr goldby for doing a great job with the school district no thank you dave no thank no thank you jim uh, <laughs> we get the last thank you win and hang up <laughs> but he usually had but but uh, they were just wonderful gracious people both of them they started out you know jim was born over here on the farm by neponset one of six or seven kids and uh, a farm boy, and uh, went to the U of I, uh, joined the uh, the army after, uh, after he graduated in 58 or something. No, it was uh, 48, I believe. No, 45, right at the end of the war. And uh, so he didn't serve too long, but he came back and joined the American Legion and everything. He graduated finally from the U of I with a master's in agriculture. Uh, got a job teaching one year at Geneseo in 1950, but in 51, he came over here to Kewanee and taught agriculture at at Kewanee High School and became the ag teacher. And uh, at that time, he met a a young lady who was the home home extension advisor. Back then, we had a farm advisor and a home extension advisor, uh, University of Illinois Cooperative Extension over in Cambridge. Her name was Alice Ann Simons from Princeville, and they fell in love. Jim was quite the catch, I'm told. He was, you know, the, the handsome young rich Farm boy, bachelor from the Ponset, you know, school teacher, and, and a lot of girls were after him. But Alice Ann snagged him, and that, that the rest we say is, is history. They had poor kids and grandkids, and I noticed a lot of the kids and grandkids and so forth are all in the medical or military professions. You know, they all went on to do do a great things. So that was uh, Jim and, and Alice Ann. But uh, there were a couple things that Jim was, was involved in. Uh, well, first of all, the thing with the school. Uh, Back when I was covering uh, news at the radio station and and, uh, and in the 70s and, and in the 80s at the Star Courier, um, I covered the Kiwani School Board for almost 25 years or so. I, I keep telling people that I, I, I've covered co- covered the Kiwani School Board longer, twice as long as I ever went to Wethersfield School. So if you think <laughs> I don't know anything about Kiwani, but but I could see this, this develop. Jim had this, this policy of, of obviously the mouthpiece thing is always students first, but he really, really meant it. And he said, all you have to do, parents, is send your child to Kiwani Schools and we will take care of the rest. Whatever they need. They got. They had a grant for free textbooks. Uh, they bought the football uniforms and the footballs and, and this, in the days before booster clubs and foundations and all this supportive stuff and now that's involved in, in you know, uh, propping up our, our educational system. Uh, which is a wonderful thing, don't get me wrong, it takes the burden off the taxpayers. But back in his time, uh, he developed something we call Jim Golby's nest egg. And when every school district around here um, was having tax referendums fail right and left in the 70s, Kiwanis schools kept chugging along. I don't believe they ever had a tax referendum to raise the tax rate. They might raise it once in a while to float a bond or do do this and that, but they never had to have a referendum to ask them to raise one of the, the the, the rates that have been topped out. And, and that was because of Jim's nest egg that he had saved up. And, and one of their, their big assets too was they were the administrative district for the Henry Stark Special Education District, which was more or less a arm of the Kiwanis School District back then. It wasn't as independent as it is now. And uh, they also were head of the Tri-County Vocational Co-op, uh, which had the diversified occupation program. Had kids going out half a day to work, you know, in a, in a work environment somewhere uh, around Kiwani. Had a huge banquet every, every spring out at the auditorium, or actually in the gym, it was too big for the auditorium, had a big speaker come um, uh, to speak and everything. And uh, that was all of Jim Golby. He was really involved in, in involving people too, in, in groups, uh, advisory committees uh, for the staff or the community, um, had a minority of voice committee. I'm looking at the obituary here, but the one that stands out was come and communicate. Yeah, you know, here again, Jim always sought input, and and here again, like a good manager, you do in the end what you have to do you know, no matter what. But if you give people a chance to say something, to hear something, to bitch, to complain, to voice their opinion, when it's all over, at least they they may not agree with you, but they understand and go along with it. Well, every week we got a little, a little brief up at the radio station that was delivered by Chuck Fleming, who was their PR guy back then, about Mr. Golby will be at Bell Alexander School for coming to communicate uh, from four to five p.m. on Wednesday, or at Irving, or at the high school. He would pick a different school district and go around, and and we'd ask Mr. Golby about that. Anybody come to these things? He says, "Well," he said, "I sit there for an hour all by myself a lot of time. <laughs> but he said there are times when people have an issue or have a complaint or a question or whatever. No, they'll." Come come and see me and uh, he just dedicated devoted his time away from his family to, to, to do that uh, he also uh, there was two things he was involved in that, that I want to address too was the uh, the hog days uh, when Jim when Jim came here in 51 as the ag teacher um, he uh, uh, and some of his alumni, Benny Custer and Alvin Hepner, and some of them out there that were in the, in the chapter in 52, the FFA chapter at Kiwani High School remember this. But one day they were sitting around scratching their heads wondering what they could do for a community project. Well, there had been uh, been a, a barrel show, a hog capital of the world barrel show, uh, from 1947 up till about 1950 when it petered out. Uh, there was no barrel show for a couple of years. And the barrel show always was a highlight uh, of like a celebration. There was a dance uh, at urban school and there was sometimes there was food involved, maybe a, a pork barbecue or something. Not a big deal like we have now, but it was all about all about the pork industry and all that. Well, anyway, they decided to revive hog days since we needed that. So they had the barrel show at the KHS Stadium. They put the barrel uh, pens on the tracks out there, uh, which now they couldn't do. Back then it was a center track. you get away with it more out of the stadium. And they and they and then they revived this whole thing. And a couple of years later in 54, we had the big... Uh, outdoor barbecue that took place during the centennial celebration in 55 they officially formed the hog capital of the world festival committee and boom here we are so thanks to jim goldby and the boys for doing that the other thing was blackhawk east and i I, i'm not sure if anybody is aware i I discovered something when i was several years ago i did a a history uh, of blackhawk college i decided to go back and find out who did what who gets credit for what and all that kind of stuff and uh uh, this was while he was ag teacher at Kiwani High School, and Brick Lundberg, who was the chairman of the of the college committee, um, appointed uh, several people of various you know committees to do uh, one finance, one uh, you know uh, fundraising uh, that sort of thing. Jim was appointed head of the committee to discuss to determine curriculum for the college, and this all had to go to the state you know when they applied for for being official status and everything. Well, Jim had his committee and so forth, but he in one of the newspaper articles he emphatically said you have to have agriculture. in in a community college. And back then, here again, the junior college movement was just getting started. And uh, all of them had reading, writing, and arithmetic, and maybe some had a welding program or a vocational car repair or something like that. There was only one other ag program in the state in the junior college at the time, at Joliet Junior College. And the teacher there was a guy named Max Custer. Max was from Neponset and Max had taught agriculture at Weathersfield before he was called up to Joliet to head up that program. There is a ag building now at Joliet Junior College named after Max Custer. Well, Max and Jim were friends. So Jim told Brick and the boys that you have to have agriculture in your curriculum because it's what Kewanee thrives on, agriculture and industry, and that sort of thing. And when you think about it, if they had decided, if Jim Goldby hadn't been there and hadn't said, you gotta have agriculture, we'd be sitting around here without you know, world champion uh, horse judging teams, uh, livestock judging teams, soil judging teams, all that kind of, you know, our nationally famous program, um, Bud Opperley, of course, kicked it into gear. He was the right guy to you know, build a program. But the guy who said you got to put this on the on the schedule uh, was, was Jim Golby. So that was something else that uh, that I thought of him. Uh, and finally, he was really a proud member of the Kiwanis Club. I got to throw that in seventy over seventy years a member of Kiwanis. You know, I suppose that goes further back to when he started out here teaching egg. He became superintendent in 1967, and and that was kind of uh, uh, pivotal with the Blackhawk thing too. Uh, he started as, he was named superintendent in the summer of 1967, and they had just passed a referendum in March of 1967 to have you know establish or to annex the Blackhawk College in Moline and, and set up an East Campus here in Kewanee. And, uh, and so that was kind of important that you know, he uh, got into a position as superintendent where he could carry more weight and bring more districts in and, and, and support the college more. Uh, matter of fact, when they, when they started for three years, they had classes in the National Guard Armory up on the stage and down in the rifle range. And any place else they could find a corner to put a desk. And at evenings, they had it out at Kiwani High School. And some of the Kiwani staff, like Larry Lock and people, would teach college courses in the evening out there at the college, out of the high school uh, to use a, use that you know during the evening. Which back then, nothing went on after five o'clock in a school district. Now, you, you know, you'd have to book yourself a time to be at at any high school in the evening for a basketball game or volleyball or a prom or goss whatever but anyway those were the three people that, that yeah. I, I thought we really missed I uh,
0: dr. Sullens uh, tells a very charming story about uh, about mr. Golby about how uh, they they named him essentially the the superintendent emeritus and gave right. him free reign to be mm-hmm. at Kewanee high school including having his own office mm-hmm. right and he would be there on weekends and that's where he would walk mm-hmm. you know, just walk the halls and he would uh, Take a look at things. If he saw something, you would pass along the information to, you know, okay. here, some here's some graffiti on a locker or here's, <laughs> you know, something like that. Whether they wanted it or not, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, well, it was incredibly valuable, you know, uh, in- information that would. Uh, yeah, that was always there for them. That they could janitors, always use. Standard
1: was telling me they'd be out there in one of those dimly lit halls. They turn the lights down, and they'd be running a mop down the hall. And here it comes Jim Golby running, walking, walking, speed walking by them. You know, <laughs> here he goes. And one time, the, the office staff there at the high school, he would bring down from his little little office there up up in the band room, and he would uh, bring down this stack of, of envelopes to be mailed to different people and so forth. And uh, they didn't know what it was, until one time, finally, someone asked him, what in the world are you doing up there in your office with all these things that you're mailing out? Maybe starting a petition, you know, I don't know. But anyway, he says, well, they're all thank yous. <laughs> Here again, he was still sending thank yous, or congratulations, um, you know, uh, or a sympathy card, or whatever. When my dad died, my mom died, I got a sympathy card from Jim and Alice, you know, that sort of thing, and they didn't even know these people. They knew me, but they always sent you know, condolences. And it was heartfelt, you knew they meant it. And, uh, and that was Jim. Bud and Katie, we miss them.